Good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be here, um, all the way from Australia. Um, Garner couldn't be here. He actually sent me a message before I came into the first service this morning to say he had landed back in Sydney, so he on, he's on his way back to the Gold Coast. But I've asked the worship team to stay up here because I don't actually realize, if we realize, how powerful the words are of the last song that we sang. It's a prophetic declaration, I believe, of what God is wanting to do in each one of our lives in this coming season. Maybe you already find yourself in that place, or maybe he is taking you into a place of where you are going to be stretched in him. But you see, when we sing that song, what we are actually saying is, Spirit, lead me where my trust is with our borders. We are saying, Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Will you lead me out onto the waters? Will you take away my borders? Will you take away my securities? Will you take away my boundaries? Will you take away my safety nets? So that I can become totally reliant on you, Holy Spirit. So that I can become totally reliant on you, Jesus, Father God. So that I can plug into you and not into the things I find comfortable. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us. The Holy Spirit is the one who will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit is the one that will enable us. He is the one that will lead us out upon the borders. And the problem is that so many of us, I believe, in this point of our lives, in some area of our lives, including me, we are stuck in our comfort zone, that which we are familiar with. It's become comfortable. And so we have stepped back and we've become Um, there's apathy and there's lethargy and God is saying I want you to step out of that place and you see when we sing that song do you realize that you are actually saying Father God Jesus Holy Spirit take away the things that I rely on that are not of you take away remove those things from my life take them away because right now I want to step into Step out onto the water and step into relying on you. So I want you to just stand. We're going to sing that Spirit Lead Me once more. I want you to sing it with different eyes. I want you to sing it as a declaration and a prophetic declaration and proclamation over your life. But let me tell you, when you do that, something is going to shift and something is going to change. Because God's heart for each one of us is to take us out of the comfort zone. He wants uh, to stretch us so that we can begin to experience the miracles of God in our lives. Spirit, lead me where my trust is within our borders. We walk
you would do something within us to shift us out of our comfort zone so that we can begin to stretch in you and experience the miracles and the provision of our God. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you break in and I pray that I wouldn't speak with wise and persuasive words, but rather with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Just want to say in true, in true George fashion, I got a, a phone call, well, I got a message from my mom two days before I left Australia. I was on my way to work on a Thursday morning, and I got this message to say, will you speak on Sunday night? And I hadn't even been in the country for 24 hours, but God was good. And I felt God as I was on the airplane. I hadn't had a real chance to um, meditate on what he was saying. But when I got on the airplane, I was like, Lord, what am I going to speak on? And I felt him stirring this word on the miracle is in the stretch. But I said, Lord, I need confirmation that this is your word at this time. And when George fetched me from the airport and I got in the car, we started to discuss what I would be sharing. And I said to him, well, I'm feeling to speak on the miracle is in the stretch. But for that to happen, I would really like them to play Oceans in the worship. And he said, oh, well, that's amazing because actually it's the last song that we are singing on Sunday night. So I knew that that was God's kind of confirmation of what he wanted to share. I want to apologize to those of you that are here, that were here on Sunday night. George has asked me to share this again um, because he felt that there were people here that could benefit from it. So this morning, I'm going to be speaking about the miracle is in the stretch. And when we look at that word stretch, one of the places that we find it in the Old Testament is a passage we're very familiar with. It's Isaiah uh, 54, and it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And today, I want to concentrate on the first part of that verse, that he's calling us to enlarge the place of our tents and to stretch our tent curtains wide. You know, I believe, as that song says, that God is saying, I want you to let go of your confined space, just as in a tent it's confined. I'm wanting you to let go of your comfort zone, and I'm wanting to stretch you. Because as we allow him to stretch us, we begin to experience his breakthroughs. We begin to experience the miracles of God. And you see, if we look at that word stretch, what it actually means is to lengthen, to extend, to spread, to make demands on one's capacity or resources, and to make the maximum use of something. And you see, that's what God wants to do in each one of our lives. He's placed gifting He's placed potential, he's placed ideas, he's placed dreams into each one of us, and he's wanting to use us to our maximum. He wants to extend us, he wants to enlarge us in every area of our lives. And so if you are looking, or if you've been praying for God to break into your life, if you've been praying for certain things to begin to happen in your life, if you are praying for breakthrough in your life, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your personal growth with God, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your city and in this nation, then you better get ready for God to stretch you 
because it's in the stretch that he breaks in to your life and breaks through your life to impact the people around you. So the stretch shifts you out of your comfort zone. If we look at Matthew 14, another very familiar scripture, we see a time where Jesus sent his disciples ahead of him on the boat onto the water, and he followed them later. And it says this, the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And we know that Peter then steps out, calls out to him and then steps out. But you see, at that moment in time, right there, Peter's comfort zone was the boat. It was something he was familiar with. He knew the boat. He worked, he fished, so he knew all about the boat. It was familiar to him. It was comfortable to him. It was safe for him. And yet God was saying to him, come, come out of the boat. And he's saying that to each one of us in our lives. Because when you are in your comfort zone, you don't need him. When you are in your comfort zone, you can rely on your own strength to, to accomplish and do what you feel you need to do. But the minute you step out of that comfort zone and you step onto the water and things aren't so familiar to you and you are experiencing storms or winds or turbulence, that's when if you know him, you call out to him and you cling to him. You know, and so some of the things that start to happen in our life might not be God causing them. But what he will do is he will use those circumstances and situations to stretch you if you allow him to, because what happens? You become totally reliant on him. If you don't, it will be very hard to get to the other side. But when we rely on him and we rely on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who will lead us, like I've said, and guide us. He and Jesus will take us over to the other side and get us through those circumstances and situations. We cannot do it in our own strength. And you know what? God has a way of positioning the purpose for our lives outside of our comfort zone. Why? Because if it's inside of our comfort zone, we don't have to give him the glory. We don't have to testify to his goodness or his faithfulness. But the minute we step out of our comfort zone and begin to walk in the plan and the purpose that he has for our lives, he gets the glory. Because it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about our boldness or our strength or our courage. It's all about him. Because he's the one that empowers us and enables us. So he positions the purpose for our lives outside of that comfort zone. And I just want to relate a story to you how this happened in my life and when he began to make it a lot more clearer for me. I'd started to see uh, this phrase, and often God speaks to me in that way where I see a phrase and it kind of clicks. And I'd seen the phrase, the miracle is in the stretch, and that began to play on my mind. And I was like, well, God, what is that? What does that look like? And uh, I have the real privilege right now. Last year it was just in a temporary capacity. This year I'm on a full uh, contract. But I'm the um, chaplain in a school alongside two other chaplains, and we have the privilege of being able to minister to, pray for, and pastor 1,100 children on a daily basis, ranging from prep to grade 12. What an awesome privilege. 
But in September last year, I was filling in because the one chaplain had broken his wrist and messed up his one whole leg in a motorbike accident. The other chaplain had broken her foot. So I said, well, you're a great team to be working with. And anyway, so because of that, I had to accompany the grade 11 and 11s and 12s on their excursion because often the chaplains go on the camps and that type of thing to just be available to encourage and deal with issues that take place. And on this particular occasion, the, um, Andrew came to me and he said, I've offered your services on this excursion. So I said, oh, yeah, that's great. He said, it's grade 11s and 12s. That's awesome. I didn't really know them because I worked more in the junior section last year. Now I work in the whole section. And he said to me, but um, it's going to be the Certificate 3 students, and their certificate is in fitness and instruction. Now that began to be a little bit of a problem for me because, as you see, I am not fit. I do not exercise. I'm not good at exercising and perseverance and exercising. I know I should be. But um, that is not my strength. It's definitely my weakness. Anyway, I thought, no, that's fine. I mean, if the children can do it, I can do it. That's all good. So, but as the day began to approach and I began to hear more and more spory, uh, stories about Thunderbird Park, I began to think, oh, I'm not so sure I'm cut out for this. And just before, um, about two or three days before, he, called, he said to me, so you're all okay? You're good to go? I said, yeah, no, that's fine. He said, you do realize it will break you. And I was like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. He says, no, I'm serious. It will break you. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And the fear, you know, it all starts to happen. So I began to pray for rain. Um, and I was like, Lord, just cancel this, you know, excursion. This is not for me. Anyway, the day came and the forecast was for rain. So I was like, that's awesome. But the rain didn't start before we left. So we left to go to Thunderbird Park, which is up in um, kind of, they're not mountains like the Jockensburg, but Australian mountains, okay? And we're up there and they get you all geared up. You're in harnesses and you've got helmets and you've got gloves. They don't even check. They fit properly. So you're feeling really confident. And um, the clouds are like darkening. And anyway, you've got gloves, yeah. And you get on and it's all above the ground. And it's very high above the ground. And let me tell you, I'm not the best at heights. I don't mind going up, but I don't like looking down. And everything was meters and meters above the ground. Once you were up, you weren't going anywhere fast. You were going either across or further up. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, that's great. I'm there to encourage, build up these children. And they, were, they went out ahead of me and the other staff member went behind me. And the first part was okay. I was hanging in. They, they catch you with a, um, a metal cord each time. There's no instructors there to help you. They just tell you what to do at the beginning, and then that's it. And so each time you'd have to hook yourself off this and hook yourself onto that, and there's just a metal cord up in the air. Anyway, so we start going, and we're going along, and then the inevitable happened. I'd prayed for rain. It started to rain. And it was raining really hard. We were drenched. Our gloves were drenched. Our shoes were drenched. All the poles and equipment was drenched. And I thought, well, they're going to come and get us now. But they didn't come. And then the thunder came, and my mom wouldn't have handled it because the lightning came, and it was all happening around us up in the treetops, and I was beginning to get a little bit more anxious. And then we got to this one point where I got onto the platform, and I looked out, and that's when I broke. And I looked out, and I just thought, Lord, I can't do this. This is outside my human capability. I was fearful. I was crying. I didn't just break. I cried. He told me I'd cry. I didn't believe him. And I was crying, and I'm thinking, I'm here to encourage, and yet I'm the one that's needing encouragement. And what had happened was, as I stepped onto the platform, they had these gum poles, like telephone poles, and they were as wide as the telephone pole, maybe like that wide. 
And they weren't in a line. They were like that. And then I thought, okay, well, I can hang on to the rope and just kind of make my way across. But the rope was at the side. So you had to try and hold the rope there if you wanted to hold it. And these poles were put at such an angle that my mom would, would not make it because they were too far apart. So you had to stretch as far as you could stretch. Your legs wouldn't have made it. Mom, you would have gone straight down. Anyway, so, so I'm like looking at this and I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding me, Lord. I cannot do this. This is the time of a supernatural transportation. You need to take me out of here. Please, Lord, this is my moment. And I'm realizing I can't go back. There's no back. I have to keep going forward. If I fall, there's no safety net underneath except for hanging from this rope. And who's going to get me? I'm hanging meters above the ground. How is that going to look and work for me? So it got worse because as I stretched as far my natural capacity that I could stretch, and as my foot touched that pole, it wobbled. And that's when I just broke. I was crying. I'm like, Lord, I have never prayed so hard except for being in an airplane in my entire life. I hate airplanes as well. So it's a bit difficult when you live in Australia. But um, I prayed so hard. I was speaking in tongues. I was declaring. I was, you know, doing all this. And I really was praying because that rope on the side, although it was meant to be some form of security, was no security for me. It wobbled. It moved. The poles wobbled. You could only get one foot on at a time. Plus, it's pouring with rain. They're slippery. Your shoes are slippery. Nothing's working. Anyway, I managed to do it one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. But now I'm miles behind any of the kids. There was no form of encouragement for them. They were flying through the trees and doing all that they needed to do. But you know what? It was in that moment that God began to speak to me. I'm hanging on to him for dear life. And he said to me, this is what I mean by the stretch. This is what I mean because right now, in your natural ability, you would not be able to do this. Right now, you're clinging on to me. You are relying on me with everything that you've got. And I was. In the natural, I just wanted to, I couldn't even sit. There was nowhere to sit. I just wanted to hang there and pray that it would all be over. But God showed me what it means to stretch. And by the time I started to move my way towards the end, because it was a long way, um, I began it began to get a little bit more easy. And when I got onto the other platform at first, I thought I'd never do this again. And then the next thought was, yeah, well, maybe, but this time I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll make sure it's not raining. But there was a sense of achievement that came with that. Do you see? Because God is faithful and he showed me what it means to stretch. So it became a very, very real picture for me. And you see, the miracle is in the stretch when the stretch is at God's word. So often we respond or we stretch in areas of our lives because people have said it or I've felt it or the media has said it or the world says it or the people I'm working with say it. And so I step out and I begin to stretch. And when it goes horribly wrong, who's the first person I blame? God, why did you do this to me? Why am I here? What's going on in my life? Where are you? Have you deserted me? And he's going, no, but your stretch was not at my word. Your stretch was not at my word. Let me tell you something. If I'd gone to Australia because of fear of this country, I would never have survived. The only thing that has kept me there is God's word because he declared it. And even though I didn't want to do it, if you know my story, we did it because he said it.
and that's what keeps me. So we've got to respond at God's word. Because you see, when he says it, we have the security of knowing that if he says it, he will do it. If he says that he will take you through, he will take you through. If he says you're going to come out stronger, you will come out stronger. If he says you're going to prosper, you will prosper. If he says he'll heal you, he will heal you. It's at his word. You see, this is what Peter said. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. What did Jesus say? Come. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. You see, Peter responded to Jesus' word. What was his word? Come. He heard Jesus, and he did what he said. So what happened was, his safety wasn't knowing that Jesus had said, come. If Jesus says, come, he's going to hold on to you, and he's going to take you through. He knew that. See, so the miracle in the stretch is, when you, is to take you out of your comfort zone, but to take you into the obedience zone. Because Peter stepped out in obedience. Did it mean it was going to be easy? No. But he stepped out in obedience to Jesus. You know, there's the other story about Peter in the boat where he goes out and he fishes all night and he comes in without a catch. And Jesus standing on the beach and Jesus says to him, no, I want you to go out again and to cast your net on the other side. And I'm sure Peter's thinking, that's just ridiculous. I've been going all night with not one fish. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm going home to my comfort zone. I'm getting into bed. I'm having something to eat and I'm going to sleep until I wake up later and then maybe go and try again. That would be his comfort zone. But what does he say? He acts in obedience. Was anything different? No. Same nets, same equipment, same boat, same area. But what does he do? He casts his net out on the other side in obedience. And what happens? There is a bountiful catch of fish. But let me tell you this. It didn't just affect Peter's life. There were the people in the boat with him. But another whole, another boat was filled with fish as well. You see, when he begins to work a miracle or cause a breakthrough to happen in your life, it's not just for you. It's to affect the lives of the people that are around you. He works in you to work through you to impact a community, to impact a workplace, to impact a home situation, to impact a business, to impact your area, your community, your nation. He works in you and through you so that there is a testimony of his goodness, his faithfulness, and his steadfastness to you that can affect the lives of others that are out there desperate. That's what he does. The miracle is not just for us. It's for those around us. And we get to speak and release life because of that which he's doing in our life and because of our obedience. Saying yes to the stretch you, requires faith. To be obedient, you need to have faith and you need to trust. Because Peter heard that response. He heard Jesus say, come. But now he needed action. He couldn't just stand in the boat and go, okay. He had to step out of the boat and step onto the water and begin to move towards Jesus. Have you ever thought of what propelled him? What propelled him to get out of the boat, to overcome that fear and step out on the water? For me, when I was on those um, poles, 
the only thing that was propelling me was I wanted to get back down to ground and no one was coming to rescue me, okay? But what propelled him? He wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to be in his presence. So there is a faith action that's involved because when God stretches you, it requires faith. It requires trust. You can't depend on the people around you necessarily. You can't depend on the media. You can't depend on what the world is saying. Your dependence and reliance has to be totally on him. When he stretches you, it requires faith. Does it make it easy? No. Is it comfortable? No. Are there trials and tribulations? Yes. Let me tell you a story. Just after I shared a similar word at our fellowship in Australia, and I said yes to the stretch, we began to be stretched in ways I'd never felt possible. God, I'm not saying God did everything or caused everything, but what I am saying is he used that to stretch us, to grow us, to mold us, so that we could develop more of his character and more of his love. Was it easy? No, it was painful. It was like fire. And what, and, but the, the, the interesting thing was, come the beginning of this year, and in the last few months, so many people have come and said, we watched you. We watched you. And you was, the testimony was that nothing changed. You still held on to God, And you still did what he called you to do. And that has impacted our lives. Not because of us. We're frail. We have limitations. We have, you know, a lot going on. But God chose to work sovereignly by his hand. So this is what happened. Um, A lot had happened through the year, but particularly after speaking this word, um, I spoke, we went away for uh, for a week um, as a family on holiday, came back, I don't know if you know, but for a year, um, just about five months into getting to us, well, three months getting into Australia, my niece, uh, my cousin's daughter died, and we were involved in all of that. Soon after that, a church or a fellowship developed through that, which Garnet and I now oversee and lead. Um, then um, the day after I um, conducted the service for, for Emily, Garnet lost his job. Soon after that, Ghana got another job, but it was hours. Door to door with flights included was 9 to 11 hours. I can't remember. So Ghana for a year used to fly in for church, spend maybe 24 hours with the family and fly out. Sometimes they flew in for church and flew out straight afterwards. That's just kind of how it rolled. Every now and again, he'd get a week in between. And um, that went on for a year until um, July last year where we began to really cry out and seek God for a job locally for him. Anyway, he was offered two jobs. He took one job with um, people that we knew. They created a position for him. He had been there a month. We went away on a week's holiday, came back. That morning we came back. He fetched Darren from the airport. So Darren arrived, and not because of Darren, but from that day things just went. Things began to stretch in a very big way from us, and Darren lived through that and um, prayed through that and also was amazing because he was there to encourage us through that. But so Garnet dropped Darren at home, went early to fetch him at the airport, dropped him at home the next, and then went to work and within an hour phoned me and said, Susan, I've lost my job. 
They had all these projects that were coming in from America. They needed him to help implement those. The week he was away, they lost their projects and they could no longer afford a salary. So here we were sitting again with no, um, no income. I was doing a bit of, um, I was doing chaplaincy at that time, so we had that coming in. But then the very next day, and I'm thinking, God, how can this happen again? We thought this was it, you know. The very next day, Darren hadn't been in the country for 24 hours, and we, we, we live on water, and we walked around to the marina, uh, around the marina to go for a cup of coffee, and we were only gone for about an hour, and Darren walked back, and I walked back. The kids went to the swimming pool area, um, and in that one hour, we were robbed in Australia in a gated estate or road. They tell you don't live in a gated road in Australia because that's where the criminals are. And we've learned that firsthand because the police, they can't get to them easily. But anyway, we had had a lot of problems with this um, household next door. Because we live in the marina, our walls are, are close. You can hear what's going on. And this house had a lot of people coming in and out of it. Um, they were drug lords. They were um, doing drugs. Often at night, I'd watch, because of all the noise, I'd watch through the windows down the stairs into their place. I could see them mixing the drugs. I could see all the stuff that was taking place. But there was an added complication, and that was that the security of our estate was not allowed to touch them. So it didn't matter what we experienced or what happened, whether it was day or night, they, they could do nothing. They were not allowed to set their foot on that property. And the reason was is because the last time the police had been there, were, there were seven loaded firearms. And this is what we were living with. And um, the police didn't even come or respond half the time. We had to report everything, but they didn't even come and respond. They had forensics there the one whole night, all kinds of things, because they were under higher surveillance. But in the meantime, we were suffering. And it got to such a point where my kids were more petrified in their home in Australia than they were in South Africa. And they were saying, take us back, we're safer there. And um, what happened was is that they would throw, at one point in June last year, they were throwing nail polish all over our walls. The next day it was eggs, and it was all over my laundry, never got paid back for all of that. Then they threw used nappies onto Simon's roof. This was a continual battle that we were facing. And yet there was nothing we could do. But what scared my children more than anything, I'll never forget, I was at the color conference and I got a phone call from Rachel going, Mom, the police are here, they're knocking on our door. And what would happen was the police would just use our home as a thoroughfare to get to the next door because you couldn't access from the front without going through properties because we're on a promenade with jetties and stuff. Anyway, it became really, really intense. But this particular day, when I'd left, there was a man lying on the floor, and I smiled. He was under a car, working on a car next door. They had people in and out. He wasn't one of the residents, but he was often there. And I went to, and when I came back, he waved and smiled. I thought, oh, shame, it's not that bad. Didn't realize he had robbed my house. And um, anyway, so I came home, and Nomi came home with me. And one of the other areas that we faced was that when my mom was with us, the last three days she was there, I landed up in hospital with Nomi, having an emergency appendix, um, append whatever they call it. And so I wasn't able to be with my mom for the last three days. She was in Australia last year. But anyway, this was the day we had to take Nomi for her checkup. And so Nomi came from a swimming pool. She said, Mom, can I quickly go and have a shower? I said, sure, go and shower. She came back and she said, Mom, there's no shower door. 
And I was like, don't be ridiculous. Of course there's a shower door. No, I mean, just get up there, get showered. We've got to go, you know, come on. There's no time to waste. She says, no, seriously, there's no shower door. If I shower, the water will all come out all over the floor. I thought, that's crazy. So I walked up there. I'm searching up, down, right. You know, you begin to think you're losing your mind. You're looking in every nook and carry. There's no shower door. I think that's, that's, that's crazy. So Simon comes home. I say, listen, Nomi says there's no shower door. Can you just go and check? And I pretend that I don't know. Haven't been up there. He goes, he comes back and goes, no, there's no shower door. So I'm thinking, no, that's crazy. So I go up there and I look and then I realize my iPad's gone. Nomi's iPad's gone and my purse is gone. The real reason they came was to get the shower door because they, as, as the story unfolded, we realized they had had a major fight, shootout, whatever, and had smashed their shower door and it was a rental home and they needed to replace it. So the way that you do that, instead of going and paying for it, you just go and remove it from your neighbor's house. And we caught it on camera. But you know, when you, Garnet phoned the police and said, I'm just phoning to report that somebody has stolen my shower door, that didn't go down too well <laughs> with the police in Australia. And um, they thought it was a hoax until he mentioned iPads and everything else. And they eventually came. And it was a South African policeman. He said, how are you enjoying Australia? I was like, oh, it's lovely, <laughs> but we've never been robbed before. And he goes, you can't choose your neighbors. And I'm thinking, Lord, of the whole of the Gold Coast, did we really need to get these neighbors? Anyway, you know, when you are stretched and there's a faith in the stretch, I mean, you stretch because of faith. When you stretch an elastic band and it, you let it go, it never goes back to the place it was before. There's always a little bit more give, always a little bit more stretch, always a little bit more flexible. And that's because there's a new norm. For that elastic band. And God, when he begins to stretch us, there's a new norm for each one of our lives. We, we, we come back to a new level. He creates a new level, which um, there's new expectation and new anticipation for us because we're operating from a new norm. Does that make sense? And you see, you begin to, you begin to, um, there's a sense of anticipation. And that anticipation is not just sitting back and saying, okay, I'm going to wait for God to do this, or I'm going to wait for the breakthrough, or I'm going to wait for the miracle. It's saying, okay, this requires action on my part. It requires action because that's what anticipation is. It's faith in action. So it means I'm going to start to prepare for, I'm going to start to ready myself for that which God has spoken to me. That which God has showed me, the potential and the dream that he's placed in me. We begin to operate from a new norm. And I love this. There is grace in the stretch. You see, with Peter, it said, but when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and he said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And you know, when I've got to be honest and say, when I went back in uh, January to Australia last year after being here for six weeks, I went back full of excitement, anticipation. This is the year, you know, all this is going to happen and it's awesome. And, 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 and let me tell you something. Besides my dad dying, and it's got to be the hardest year of my life. Has it been easy? No. Have I cried and screamed and been frustrated and angry and questioned God? Yes. But you know what? I knew he was moving me out of my comfort zone to develop and grow something in me. I knew he had spoken his word. And so, yes, I could have got on a plane and come back, absolutely. But he had spoken and he had a mission and a purpose 
for us to fulfill that we are still fulfilling, whatever that might be. And that is to do church, to do community, to impact the people around us in whatever way that we can. You know, I began to question God and say, well, why have you got me here? What are one of the reasons you've got me here? And I was in a conference earlier this year, and God spoke to me, and he said, Susan, what are you holding in your hands? It's like, what? What are you holding in your hands? I said, well, I'm working at Livingston as a chaplain. He said, how many children are there? 1,100. How many teachers? 160. How many families are represented there? That's what you're holding in your hand. And that changed and shifted something in me. Because let me tell you something. I went back to that school the next day with a different mindset, with a different viewpoint. And I thought, Lord, no matter what I'm going through, it's not easy, but there's grace in the stretch. So when I started to, you know, this isn't fair and all that kind of thing, I realized as, as I reached out to him and I called out to him, he was right there. His grace was there for me. He embraced me with his grace. He embraced Peter with his grace when he called out to him. Did he still say, why have you got doubt? Why? Yes, but he embraced him with his grace and he's ready to embrace us with his grace. You see, it's so easy to align yourself with the people around you. It was so easy when my mom said, but you've been robbed in Australia or other people are like, this is Australia, you shouldn't be robbed here. Why don't you just, you know, my kids are going, we just want to go home. Would have been so easy to do that. Because I knew I had a safe place here. But you know what? I had to begin to align myself with heaven. To begin to align myself with what God was saying. To begin to align myself with God's plan and purposes for our lives. That, open up, that opens up the possibilities of heaven for you. It opens up God's possibilities for you. So we need to stop aligning with that which we're hearing around us in the world and the media, even over South Africa right now. And start aligning yourself with what God says and what God's word is. You see, because what we speak and what we release can shift and change an atmosphere. It starts with you. If you are in a workplace or in a family situation or anywhere, and you, you, you plug into the gossip and you begin to feed that negative thing, that's what's going to be produced. But if you begin to speak differently, see differently, think differently, and act differently, something is going to change. Something is going to shift. Something. It doesn't just shift in the atmosphere around you. It shifts in you, and that's what causes the shift in the atmosphere. You get to change the tone, the culture of where you are and where God's positioned you. His grace is in the stretch. But you know what happens in that? What happened for us? As we were stretching and as um, he extended his hand of grace to us and he embraced us, we began to get a fresh revelation of who he is. A fresh revelation of his nature. A fresh uh, um, revelation of his goodness, his faithfulness, and the father heart of God towards us. It changed something in us. We began to see him differently, and we began to see ourselves differently because of his, in, his intimacy, his love for us. See, when Jesus sent the disciples out on the boat, God was engineering circumstances to bring them into a deeper revelation of who Jesus was. When they went out on the boat at first, they thought he was a ghost. But by the end of the story, they're praising him, they're worshiping him, and they're saying, truly, you are the Son of God. They have a fresh revelation because of what they've seen and experienced and been through. So what does that mean for you and me, the miracle is in the stretch? What does that mean? 
Uh, it was interesting because the first morning I was here, George spoke about speaking boldly. And I've put, and I'd put down here, firstly, it means that we need to begin to speak and pray big. We need to speak and pray big. We need to step out so that God, when God reveals his will and his heart to us and his word to us, we, begin, we need to begin to speak it. We need to begin to declare it. We need to begin to proclaim it. Because let me tell you something. So many of us are sitting back in our comfort zone and keeping quiet. We wonder why things aren't happening in our circumstantial situation, but we are not speaking and declaring truth. We need to break the silence. And the only way to break the silence is to speak out the very words of God. You see, because when that happens, when we begin to speak his word, it's powerful to perform that which he says. And something shifts. You see, God is moved by our voices. He's attentive to your voice. He is moved by your voice. He is moved by your praise. He is moved by your worship. He is moved by us powerfully declaring his word. His word is powerful. It brings life. It brings life. We need to be asking ourselves, what are we declaring? What are we believing? Who are we partnering with? Whose report will we believe? Because you know what? It starts with us. We are so quick to blame, but it starts with us. Who do you believe you are? What scripture are you declaring or proclaiming over your life or over your children's life or over your circumstances and situations over this nation? What scriptures are you declaring? Because you see, when we declare the possibility of God, it shifts you from the position of negativity, fear, doubt, anxiety, guilt, into a wide open space of faith. We need to be proclaiming God's ability and his potential because that changes the way we speak, the way we see, the way we think and act. We don't view things from our inadequacy, but we look through the lens of what Jesus is capable of. Everything is possible in him. So we, we speak big, we then see big. Ask him to enlarge your vision. Ask him to show you what he sees. In those neighbors next door, I began to say, God, what do you see? And let me tell you, it was totally different to what I saw. Totally different. If you think of Joshua and Caleb, they went into the land, believing God's word, what he had spoken, I will give you a promised land. Believing it, they went into that land, what they began to see differently. They came back with a different vision, a different perspective, a different attitude to everybody else that went in with them. Why? Because they'd asked God to show them what he saw. And so they came back with a different report. When you speak and see big, you think big. They began to think big. It stretches your ability to see for your life. And anticipation begins to grow. And you begin to meditate on that what God has said and on his word. You see, with a tent, if you, it's like a tent. But if you stretch to the front, a tent is constrict, it constricts you. And that was that thing. Enlarge the place of your stre- um, tent. Stretch forth. Why? Because when you stretch to the front, it's about your forward movement in God. It's about what is he saying, what am I believing, what am I acting on, what am I anticipating, and I start to move in that direction. When you stretch to the sides, it's about the people that are alongside you. God puts people alongside you. He, position you, he positions you in families, people that are there to encourage you, to build you up, and to spur you on, and, although we don't always like it, to hold us accountable. 
to what he's saying and doing in our lives. They're there to encourage us, to build us up, to move forward with us. And then when we extend to the back, stretch to the back, what is that about? It's about the people we are bringing with us. Who are you taking with you on your journey? Is it all about you? Who are you taking with you? Who are you pulling along? Who are you allowing your life to impact so that they would be on the journey with you? Let me tell you something which happened with that story. I began to see differently. I began to think differently. Garnet began to think differently. He began to speak in our fellowship on forgiveness after all this had taken place. And what happened was this. The little girl, 10-year-old, was living in this household next door, experiencing all that she was experiencing, going through all that she was going through. And for the first year we were there, well, the first six months, she was in our home all the time because she couldn't bear to be in her own home. But then something shifted with her over the December period when we were here. And when we got back, she became more aloof. She began to do things in the community that um, weren't great. She began to steal. And, and, but it was what she was a product of the household that she was in and what she was experiencing. So she was the one that had done the nail polish and the eggs and the na- all that stuff. And the police had been there and said that she needed to apologize to us, but she didn't. And you know, the, the one part of me is like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to demand apology. I'm going to demand money. I'm going to do this whole thing, you know. And, I just, and God just that didn't, didn't allow that to happen. But she would kind of avoid us whenever we were on the street. Until one day, Nomi came to me and said, Laura's asked if she can come and play. And I thought, do I want my child hanging with that kind of child? But I felt God say, no, it's okay. So we invited her over. She went as far as the swimming pool. And while she was there, I felt God, and Nomi shouted, Mom, I'm hungry. And I felt God say to me, prepare a lavish feast for this child. So I went in and I made popcorn and chips and sweets and biscuits and whatever. And I laid it out and I invited her in. She came and sat there with me. And she spoke to me and um, she told me about some of the stuff that was going on in her life. And, um, yeah, and just lavished the love of God on her and asked if I could pray with her, prayed with her. She put her arms around me and she said, thank you, and I'm so sorry. And anyway, that was the one story. But then um, two months ago, I was sitting at the marina at the tavern. We were having a meal. Garnet and I, well, we weren't having a meal. We were just sitting with friends. And I saw this man walk past and he was just down and out. He had cl- carrying a packet which looked like his clothes on his back. And I recognized him, and Darren would know him. He was one of the guys that lived next door. But now they'd been kicked out. A lot of them were in prison from other crimes. And um, I saw him walking, and he used to work on boats in the marina and sometimes used to work on a boat two or three down for us, from us. Anyway, I didn't think anything more of it, and we got home, and Rachel and Naomi, who had been at home, they were quite scared, and they said a man came, knocked on the door, asked if we could go through the garden onto the promenade because he's working on one of the boats. And so they led him through. So I said to Garnet, well, you better go and check on that because he could be robbing all the boats on our marina. Anyway, Garnet went and checked, and he came back and said, no, it's Tony. He's waiting on the lawn of the guy a few down because he's not there, and he's just waiting. And so I said to Garnet, you know, it looked like he was very hungry and whatever. I've got extra food. Go and offer him a meal. Now, this is the guy that was part of robbing us. And, but you know what? It was the grace of God. God caused me to see something that I haven't seen before. I saw a different man. I saw a broken man. I saw a man that didn't, um, he was doing stuff that he, he didn't, half the time was drugged, didn't even know that he was doing. 
He wasn't the one that robbed us, but he was part of that crowd. Anyway, Garnet went to him, offered a meal. He came over. He was so embarrassed, he didn't want to even sit in our house. But we offered him that meal. He sat outside, so Garnet sat with him. We gave him food. We gave him something to drink. And afterwards, he came, and he said, I'm so sorry for scaring you. So sorry for what we've put you through. And he just repented there and then. And we were able to, you know, just say it's all okay. And my prayer is that even though they are not there any longer, that God God deposited something in their life. Or that little girl of 10. That there's something there that one day she she can draw on. The love of the Father, you see, because when he causes the stretch to happen, and when you say yes to the stretch, and you allow God to break in, it's not for you. Like I've said, it's all about him. It's all about the people around you being impacted. He, he changed something on the inside of us. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean, no. But it means he worked in us and he touched lives that hopefully one day we will see in his kingdom. And so that's what he wants to do. You know, when we do that, when we rely, step out onto the water and we rely on the Holy Spirit, we get a new way of thinking, a new language, a new mindset, a new perspective, and a new way of thinking. And today my desire is that each one of us right now will begin to say, God, what is the area of my life that you're calling me to stretch in? God, what are the areas that we, you want me to hand over to you so that I'm no longer in control but that you are? Holy Spirit, today I choose to plug into you so that you would be the one leading me out upon the water. The challenge for us today, for me, for you is, will you say yes to the stretch? Will you say yes to the stretch so God can cause a miracle in you and work through you to uh, impact a community around you? That's what I believe he's saying for each one of us today. And that might look different for every person here. But you see, when his purpose, when God's purpose, God has a purpose, sorry, for everything he does. And we can take confidence in knowing that when he stretches you, it's so you can hold more of his power, more of his love, You can gain more of his wisdom, more of his character, and you can know him better and know who you are in him. The things that we think are impossible are possible with God. No chain, no giant, no power, no limitation can prevent what God wants to do in your life if you will say yes to the stretch because then everything, everything becomes possible in and through him and through his power. Can we just close our eyes? Maybe the worship team can come up. If you have never stepped out of that boat onto the water with Jesus, if you have never given your life to him or said, Lord, would you do this journey with me? I invite you to come into my life, and I choose today to partner with you, to align myself with you. If you have never done that before, and you say, yes, Lord, I want to step out onto the water with you today. Why don't you just open your eyes and look at me? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be praying for you right now, but please come up afterwards if you want to and let us just meet you and bless you and pray with you. And then I'm going to extend an invitation to the rest of us. If you are saying today, yes, Lord, I'm going to say yes to the stretch in my life in whatever area you want me to stretch that I, you can work in me and through me, then I'm asking you to do something bold and courageous right now. I'm asking you to stand. Because you see, Peter had to take action He had to go with anticipation and say, okay, God, I'm going to respond in obedience to your word and I'm going to step out and I'm going to take action.
So if that's you today, please just stand. And we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing that song. And if you want prayer afterwards, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word to me and to the rest of us right now that you are calling us to to get out of the boat, to step out on the water, to partner with you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, for those that are doing that for the first time today, we ask you to just come alongside them. Father, that you would touch them, that they would have an incredible experience of your love as they start their journey with you, as they give their life to you and acknowledge all that you did for them on the cross, Lord. But Father, for the rest of us, I just pray that you would just action us, that Father God, that you would activate us in the way that we speak, the way that we pray, the way that we declare, that we begin to speak life and release life and and call forth life and your truth. Father, that you help us to see from your vantage point, that you help us to think differently and act differently. And Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you call us into the stretch because of your love, because you want to see us reach our maximum potential in you. So we just give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Your grace abounds in deepest water. Your sovereign hand will be my God. Feed me, fill and feel surround me. never fail.
Oh, 